Okay. All right. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's just put that over here. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for this day. Thank you for my safety in, in traveling. Thank you for the fine and great hospitality uh, and love of this congregation. I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, you will bless our time of fellowship together, that we might grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us, that we might uh, always glorify you in everything that we do. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that our lives uh, and our lips will Lift up your praise to the extent that others may come as well and know you as we do. And in Jesus Christ, as the, the Son of God and God the Son. Bless now our study together today and in the course of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, I'm thankful to uh, have been invited uh, to come and to share with the saints in this particular congregation. Uh, thank you so much for the uh, invitation, and we hope, trust, and pray that uh, you'll, by the end of, by the end of this, uh, these studies, uh, be glad I came, and <laughs> I pray that God will use me to his glory and to his honor. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, this is the foundational stone of uh, the series that we are going to be presenting uh, living by living by faith, Hebrews ten and uh, uh, verse number thirty-five. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And then verse 1 of Hebrews 11, by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, the foundational lesson in this study uh, is from this text, and that's living by faith as we face, as we face this world. Now, we may understand that the Hebrew writer was addressing Christians who were in the midst of some adverse and uh, difficult circumstances. They were, in a way, what I would call the odd man out. The audience of the Hebrew letter was mainly Jewish Christians, but though they were Jews, they were rejected by fellow Jews because of their leaving the tenets of the Old Testament law and giving their allegiance to Christ under his new uh, and better covenant. They were under Roman authority, but because they were not Roman citizens and also because of their faith in Christ, they were also persecuted by the Roman government. So, 
they were the odd man out because of their faith in Christ. Rejected by the Jews, reproached by the Romans. Persecuted by the Jews, plundered by the Romans. And sometimes that's the case with us as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ living in this world. We're often in the position of being the odd man out. Because of our faith in Christ and our stand on the gospel, we don't fit in with this rational world and we don't fit in with the general religious world. We cannot be partakers of this rational world. First John 2 and verse 15 uh, tells us that we can't love the world nor the things that are in the world. We're t- told in James 4 and verse 4 that being Uh, being friends of God, we are enemies of the world. So we don't run with this world in what 1 Peter 4 and verse 4 calls the same excess of riot or wild living. And, And because of that, the world slanders and rejects us. On the other hand, being that one body in Christ also means that we can't hold hands with denominational man-made religious bodies or faith groups. But we're taught in 2 John 1, 9 through 11 and Romans 16, 17 that we cannot support, join with, partner with those who teach things that are outside of the doctrine of Christ that was given by and through the apostles. <clears throat> Therefore, we as members of the Lord's church are, uh, uh, are often the odd man out. For we must come out of this rational world while at the same time we are ostracized by the religious world. We must be distinctively different from this rational world and we are doctrinally different from the religious world. And that certainly was the case with the Christians that this epistle was written to. They were undergoing extreme difficulties because of their faith in Christ. And because of the problems and the persecutions and the pain they experienced, some of them were becoming weak in faith and being tempted to leave the faith. Some of them may have begun to think, this Christian life is, is not worth it. This, this serving Christ thing is just not working. So it would get to the point of saying, I, I, I quit. I give up. I'm, I'm Throwing in the towel. I can't take it anymore. And perhaps they're like us at times. Frustrated because our dreams are unfulfilled. Discouraged because maybe there are prayers we pray that have gone unanswered. In despair because our hopes are unrealized. Sad because our load has not been lightened. Burn out because we think that our burdens outweigh our blessings. Therefore, he's, in, he's writing to them to encourage them to hold on. As we read there in chapter 10, th- verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great re- reward. For you have need of endurance, so after you've done the will of God, you may inherit the promise. He says, don't, don't, don't throw away what you have. Instead, you are to treasure. Don't cast aside what you have. Instead, you are to keep it. Don't 
Forget or forsake what you have. Instead, forge ahead in faith. Why? Because that's how you will receive the promise. And, and the way that they would endure and hold on would be to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Live by faith. What that means is faith is a lifestyle. Not a one-time event. Faith is not a place that you visit every now and then when you need it. It's something that lives in you and, and, and permeate, permeates everything uh, you are and, uh, 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 and everything about you and everything you do. To live by faith means to make your moves based on faith. To pick your paths based on faith, to determine your decisions, to opt your outlook, to walk where you walk, when you walk, and how you walk, to chart your course, to react to what is before you, to live your life based on faith. And if you do, then you won't be one of those that draw back to perdition, but rather you will believe to the saving of the soul. So it tells them, to live by faith, which led me to the question and ask, what is faith? If it's so important and so necessary for my spiritual survival, then I need to know what faith is. The writer says, I, I tell you what faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So three things to help us understand this and lay the foundational stone for the rest of our studies this week. Let's look at, first of all, the explanation of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, 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 is hypostasis, a compound word of, of hupo, which basically means under, and histome, which means a support. Faith is a foundational support or substance of things hoped for. It's, it's, it's evidence or proof of things not seen. Now, faith is not some hocus-pocus idea that does not have any concrete connection to it. Faith is based upon substance. Now, what that tells me is that faith is not a feeling. Faith is not an emotion. Faith may involve emotions in some ways, but I submit to you, faith is not an emotion. Faith is not something you feel. E emotions are connected to the circumstances that you're in, while faith is not. For it's connected not to the circumstances you are in, but to the Christ who is in you. Emotions, they can't be depended upon. They, they, they cannot be trusted. But faith is substantial. For instance, you've seen basketball players, right, exhibit emotions in the course of a game. You see a team one point behind and one of the players hits a basket with three and a half seconds left. And the team is all excited. They're emotionally high. They're jumping up and down with joy. But then the other team hurriedly takes the ball, throws it in bounds, and a player heaves up an impossible shot from past half court that as the buzzer sound 
goes down through the basket. Just three and a half seconds ago, that other team was emotionally high. Three and a half seconds later, they're emotionally low. Just three and a half seconds ago, they were on an emotional mountaintop. But then three and a half seconds later, they're down in a deep emotional valley. Emotions cannot be depended on. In fact, emotions will often guide you in the wrong direction. Matthew 17, when Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the mountain and he was transfigured before them, his clothing was glowing with light and Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with him. Uh, I see Peter becoming overwhelmed with excitement, with emotion and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. But the Bible says that while Peter was still running his mouth, I mean, Peter was still talking, a cloud overshadowed them. And God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my, calm down, Peter. Okay, listen to this. This is my beloved son in whom I will be, please listen to him. God was showing of course, that Peter's proposal was in error. He didn't want a tabernacle honoring Moses or Elijah. He wanted all men to come to him through Jesus Christ. Peter's emotion was not faith. For as excited as Peter was at that moment, it would not be long till he make, made another emotional decision to deny the Lord. Faith is the substance of things hope for. What that also tells us is that the basis of faith is not in the one who has the faith. The basis of faith is not in the one who has the faith, but in the one whom the faith is in. That's the substance of faith. For the faith, uh, for faith is only as, only as meaningful as the substance on which it stands or in which it is placed. If you have faith in a bad substance, then your faith is insufficient. I don't care how much faith you have. But I can have great faith, but if it is in something that does not have substance, that's not great faith. I can have great faith, but if it's in something that doesn't have substance, that's not great faith. On the other hand, I can have little faith, but if it's in something that has great substance, then that, my friends, is great faith. The strength of faith is in the person or thing in whom the faith is in. So many people get disappointed in life because they put great faith, great faith in something or someone that has little or no substance, and therefore they are disappointed. For, for instance, I can write you a check. I can write you a check right now for $500,000. You can take that check, and you can have a whole lot of faith in Lavelle Hayes and a whole lot of faith in that check. The problem is the check ain't got no substance. And if you act on faith in something that has no substance, you're going to be disappointed when you get down to the bank and try to cash it. Hello. The faith that the writer is talking about here is something that has substance. 
Now, now, what's the substance that gives us hope? What's the substance that helps us strive for that which we cannot yet see? Well, in the text, I see two things. There is uh, a reality of God, and there is the revelation of God. The reality of God and the word of God. Catch up here. There we are. Look at verse 3 of Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Notice that there is a reality, and that reality reveals the existence of the one who made the reality a reality. When he, in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, created the heavens and the earth. There is a reality that is visible evidence of he who is invisible. There is a reality that is seen that, that, that reveals he who is real but yet unseen to our human eyes. There is a reality that can be touched and felt and experienced through the senses, but it points us to the one who created it all, who is beyond our physical senses. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Therefore, in verse 6, he says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Faith accepts the evidence of a true and living God. There's a testimony of nature itself. There's the testimony of the saints of old who God revealed himself to and they wrote it down for us to read about it. There's the testimony of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh to live among men. And there is the testimony of the word of God. The substance on which you stand must be a God who is alive and who is real. If your faith stands on any other substance, then you're going to be disappointed. Our substance is the reality of God and the revelation of the word of God. That is, we can trust what God says. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith believes God, believes in God, and faith believes what God says. Faith believes what God says, even if it can't be seen with the eyes or touched with the hands. Faith believes what God says, even if it seems out of reach. Faith believes what God says, even if, by human standards, it sounds and seems impossible. Faith stands on the substance of the word of God. It, it believes what God says. In chapter 6, here in Hebrews, he shows the power of God speaking when he talked about the promise of Abraham. Hebrews 6 and verse 17. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. He says that the promise was sure. And it was sure because of two immutable things. Immutable means unchangeable, cannot be changed. What are the two immutable things? They are uh, that, number one, God said it. God spoke. God said it, and God does not lie. When God says something, it's said. If he makes a promise, then that promise is sure simply because he said it, and he cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. The second immutable thing is that not only did God speak it, he swore it. He swore it by an oath on himself. So God said it. That ought to be enough right there. But not only did he say it, he backed it up with an oath. And he says that this makes our hope sure and steadfast, and it anchors our soul. Faith is is an assurance because God is and God says. But then let me talk about the exercise of faith. The explanation of faith is directly tied to the exercise of faith. In verse 2 of Hebrews 11, he, uh, he says that it was by faith that the elders obtained a good testimony. And throughout the chapter, he gives examples of those that he was talking about. He names Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses and others. And as he does so, he shows us that they obtain a good report because of their because of the exercise of their faith. That is, they moved by faith. They moved even when they couldn't see what they were moving toward or moving for. They moved even when they couldn't see what they were moving toward or moving for. In verse 7, by faith, Noah moved with godly fear, built an ark. In simple terms, if we believe God is, and we believe what God said, then we move based on that belief. No movement, no faith. He says in verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. You see, faith moves at the word of God. A lack of movement is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in what God said. And when you think about it, a lack of faith really challenges the integrity of God. When you and I don't, don't, don't live by faith in what God said and faith in what God promises, we are essentially challenging God's integrity. We are, in, in essence, saying that God ain't telling the truth. We are saying that what God says, that ain't true. What God says, that ain't for real. What God says, that can't be dependent on. What God said, that's a For instance, in Matthew 6, God says, don't worry about food, clothing, necessities of life. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and these, all these things will be added unto you. If I believe what God says, what do I do? I put God, uh, God's kingdom and righteousness first. I will not put God to the side and seek to providing these things for myself first. But when I put those other things first, I'm saying what God said is not true. I'm challenging God's integrity. So, so, so there is no way I can please God acting like that. Faith in its simplest form is acting like God is telling the truth. It's not feeling like God is telling the truth. It's not just saying that God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like, behaving in a way that shows that you know that God is telling the truth. That's why we read in the Bible, walking by faith and living by faith, but not just thinking by faith. Living by faith means that we are in a movement. We, we move because God said so. And because we believe what God says. If there is no movement, there is no faith. Help me, James. James 2.14. What does it profit, my brother? If a man say he has, not, he has faith but not have works, can faith save him? James 2 and 20. But do, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that his faith was working together with his works and by faith, uh, by, by, and by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now notice when it said Abraham believed God, he's not just saying that, that Abraham just stood there and said, okay, God, I hear you. No, Abraham believed God, and what that means is, is that Abraham moved at what God said. He believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. He was called a friend of God. So what's my conclusion? James says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. James is telling us that faith is acting like God is telling the truth. The roll call of faith in the chapter Hebrews 11 shows that faith is acting like God is telling the truth. In Hebrews 11, 8, Abraham was told by God to leave his father's house and wander through a land that God would give his seed as an inheritance. What did Abraham do? He acted like God was telling the truth. He got up and went. He packed up and left and lived like a nomad throughout his life. He acted like God was telling the truth. When he came to the son, he promised. Abraham acted like God was telling the truth. Verse 11 says that that, that he and Sarah received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past age. That meant that he was too old. Romans 4.19 says that Sarah's womb was dead. Yet, Hebrews 11.11 11 says that Sarah received strength. When he believed God, he called the Frequenta made a reservation for him and Sarah to have a second of a 
third, fourth, fifth honeymoon, even though it was past dead because he believed God. And at 100 years old, became the father of Isaac. When God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, what did he do? He acted like God was telling the truth about his seed being as innumerable as the stars of heaven. He took the boy to Mount Moriah, tied him up, raised up the knife to slay him because he was acting like God is telling the truth. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 says that Abraham believed, believed that even if he killed the lad, that God would bring him back from the dead so that the promise of the sea uh, and many nations would, be, would come true. Faith, are you hearing me? Is acting like God is telling the truth, even though you may not see it with your immediate eyesight. Abraham could not see the promise made to him in his immediate eyesight, but he acted like it was already so. I like the way the author phrased it. Faith, that one author phrased it, he said this. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it may be so, simply because God said so. Faith is acting like it's so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. That's basically what Hebrews eleven thirteen says. They died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them before all, they were assured of them, and they embraced them. That leaves us a few minutes to talk about the experience of faith. Living by faith will eventually get you there. When you apply the explanation of faith with the exercise of faith, you will see God come through with his promises. Hebrews 10, 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. Listen, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Notice that the movement on our part leads to movement on God's part. He says that receiving the promises occurs after you have done the will of God. It comes to you after you have done the will of God. It's the result of, first of all, you doing the will of God. Too many of us want to see God moving without us living by faith in him. It's like this. We say to God, God, let me see what you can do. And then I'll decide if I'm going to live by faith in you or not. But on the other hand, I hear God saying to us, whoa, you live by faith, then you will see what I can do. Someone's compared it to a, uh, a light with a motion detector. I have lights in the front and back uh, of my house, and uh, we don't want those lights to stay on all the time. So, you know, they have motion detectors. Uh, when I come home at night and it's dark, I, I go up to the door, and when my movement is detected, the light comes on. When it comes to those lights, they're usually off. They, they have power. 
But at that moment, they are not shining. They have power, but at that moment, they're not giving light. They have power. At that moment, though, they're not illuminating the way. But when I move and they detect my motion, then they become a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. In some ways, that's the way God is regarding faith. God's power is available. God's God will illuminate our lives and illuminate our pathway. But we've got to move by faith in order that the promise might be received. And, and when you live by faith, when you make your moves based on faith, young or old, hear me well, young people, start young in deciding that that's what you're going to do. Make your moves Pick your paths, determine your decisions, up your outlook, walk where you walk, when you walk, and how you walk based on faith. Chart your course, react to what's before you, live your life based on faith. Act like God is telling the truth. He's telling the truth about being your helper. He told the truth about being your supplier. He's telling the truth about being your fortress and your shield. He's telling the truth about you having uh, victory over your enemies. He's telling the truth about pouring, pouring you out a blessing so much so that you can't receive it all. He's telling the truth about bringing you out that bring you through that depression, that anxiety, that condition, whatever. He's telling the truth about making a way out of no way. But we have to live by faith, move by faith, and our faith motion will activate God's illumination in our lives. For he says, in verse 37, for yet a little, little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. In your situation, hear the Lord saying, yet a little while. Hold on, I'm coming. Whatever you're, you, you may be going through personally or in your life, no, no, no matter what you face, no matter how, how long it takes, you rest assured. That God says, and yet a little while, I'm coming. Well, when am I coming? After you've done the will of God, you will inherit the promise. As I said earlier, some of us are saying to God, let me see what you can do. And then I'll decide if I'm going to live by faith in you or not. But God is saying to us, no, no, you live by faith and you will see what I can do. But if you can't see what God can do, I say to you today is because you must be blind. There's plenty to see of what God can do. See what God can do in a world whose thoughts and intents are only evil continually and God decides to bring destruction. See God work with a man named Noah to build an ark and bring in the animals and to preserve Noah and his family in the ark. See what God can do for a man named Abraham and his barren wife, Sarah, waiting until 
they are old and past childbearing age to give them that son of promise. See what God can do when Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac and God gives him a ram in the bush. See what God can do for a young man named Joseph who was sold into slavery and then thrown into prison and eventually God lifts him to position in Egypt. See what God can do for Moses and the children of Israel, bringing them out of over 400 years of bondage and making a way through the Red Sea, giving them water from a rock and bread from heaven, eventually bringing them into the promised land and giving them victory after victory. If you can't see what God can do, you must not be looking. See what God can do at the city of Jericho uh, as the walls are brought down with a trumpet and a shout. See what God can do uh, in Jesus Christ with just five loaves and two small fish and uh, feeding over 5,000 people. See what God can do at the tomb of Lazarus who'd been dead four days and yet Jesus raises him from the dead. And certainly see what God can do on the cross of Calvary where Jesus died, shed his blood that we might be saved from our sins. But then early on Sunday morning, see what God can do. When Jesus rises from the dead with all power in his hand, victorious over death, Hades, and the grave. If you can't already see what God can do, you ain't looking or you are blind. And if you want to see further what God can do, live your life. Acting like God is telling the truth. And in your own life and your own personal experience, you will see what God can do. Live your life acting like God. Live by faith. Acting like God is telling the truth. And when it comes to his promises in Christ, And in your life, you will see that God is telling the truth. We've got about three minutes. Any response, questions concerning what we presented in this study? If not, then my question to you is, do you live by faith? How do we live by faith? We live acting. Y'all scared to say? (laughs) Acting like God is telling the truth. It may not be visible to the eye right now. It may be way off down the line. It may be awfully heavy. But in spite of it all, I'm going to act like God is telling the truth. For the just shall live by faith. Let us pray. Thank you for your word, dear Father. Thank you for the great and precious promises that you left with us as your children. Thank you that we have come to the knowledge of your word so that we could respond to the gospel as you have given us in your word. That we might be the children of God by faith and baptism into Christ. And we pray now that you would bless us and help us because... As we go along this way, we know we have an adversary 
who would want us to stumble and fall and to draw back. But help us that we might be among those that live by faith all the way to the end and not among those who draw back to perdition. Help us in those challenging times to remember your word, to study your word and let it be on our hearts and to respond to it because we believe and know that you are telling the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.